Welcome to the NABS Now podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Blind Students, a proud division of the National Federation of the Blind. Hey everyone, you're listening to the NABS Now podcast, and today we're talking about accessibility in the classroom. I'm your host, Nina, and today I have two very special people with me, Naeem and Tim, and I'm going to have y'all introduce yourself. So Naeem, take it away. Hi everyone, my name is Naeem Mohawi Abulhawa. I am a student at Northern Virginia Community College while also doing real estate and other, you know, finance related jobs. I am looking at an international relations degree and yes, indeed. And I may end up transferring from IR, international relations to finance if I decide to do that. Uh, Yeah, that's a little bit about me. Oh, fun fact. That's right. So a little fun fact about me. I, I fluently speak Arabic and Turkish trying to learn Farsi. That's awesome. Tim, what about you? All right. My name is Olawawa Timalei Olakani. That's just a part. I'm not going to bore you with the whole name. And I, well, a fun fact about me is me and my brother used to play hide and go seek at clothing stores. So, yeah. <laughs> That's super funny, actually, because uh, Tim is super tall, <laughs> so I think that's great. Yeah, I'm super tall, yeah. <laughs> I'm literally, that image is going to be in my head forever now. That is, that is literally the best thing I've ever heard. Really quick, fun, I probably should introduce myself, I guess. My name is Nina. Um, I go to school in Buffalo, New York. I'm a psychology and criminal justice major, and a fun fact about me is that I got to swim with dolphins in Mexico a couple years ago. So that was really cool. Oh. It was great. I went to Mexico. I didn't swim with dolphins. It was on my bucket (laughs) list. I loved it. Um, So now that you know a little bit about us, you can tell that we're students who are slightly crazy in many respects. Um, We're going to talk about accessibility in the classroom. The first part of accessibility in the classroom is having the accommodations that you need to be successful. And without these accommodations, Sometimes things can get a little tricky. And the first place I'm sure as all of you know, dealing with accommodations is the Disability Services Office, which also goes by a number of different names depending on your school, accessibility services. Um, Naeem and I were talking about this earlier, just every school calls it something different, but you'll know where you need to go. And I wanna get y'all's opinion on something. When do you think our students should make contact with their Disability Services Coordinator or office? How do y'all approach that when you go to school? Um, Tim, why don't you give me your thoughts? I'm very curious. Honestly, if your school has an open house, I would try to talk to them then so you can start a basis before the beginning of the school year. That's just me, though. That's a really great point. What do you think, Naeem? Because I actually did that. When I was at open house, I um, was meeting with my admissions counselor, and he actually introduced me to the disability services coordinator. And I was lucky that I had a really proactive person with me as who worked at the school, but if not, you have the right to ask to meet your disability services coordinator. What do you think, Naeem? I totally encourage that method. You know, many traditionally, many high school students in 11th or 12th grade, they're touring all these universities, they're checking out the beautiful campuses, uh, who has the better Chick-fil-A? Who has the better Subway? But, you know, <laughs> while you're checking those criteria on your, you know, on your list, it's also important to do some comparative analyses, you know, do some research into the different disability support services or, you know, whatever the office is called, ODS, DSS. They have all these random letter combinations. And, 
you know, go ahead and speak to a representative, speak to a counselor, a disability support advocate, and see what they have to offer because that should be, it shouldn't be the make it or break it of your college decision, go to your dream school. But it should play, I would say about 32.743% of your decision-making process, um, boil it down to those specific numbers. For me, I, I ended up doing the non-traditional route. I went to a community college to start off. And when I made that decision, it involved me realizing I didn't follow the traditional 11th, 12th grade touring. I enrolled, I got accepted. And as soon as I got accepted, the first thing I had to do was introduce myself to the disability support staff, get to know who they are, and really get involved. So what I will say, one of my mistakes was, I didn't do that research, even if it was a community college. Don't underestimate the value of your attendance at a community college. Do look into that at those resources as well. I totally agree and I also think that for our students who are you know into their college career a little bit maybe they're like well I'm not looking for a school you know I'm already in my second or third year. Always keep tabs with your disability coordinator. Always ask because I know when I go to school we have to renew accommodations at certain points and you know if something's not working then you need to speak up and you definitely have the right obviously to equal access to everything and we're in a little bit we're going to talk to um about talking with professors about your disability or your accommodations and what to do if you feel like they're not being met but i definitely think that this is a very important resource on campus does anyone have anything else to add before we hear from someone who actually is in the field of disability services i would say know your rights make yourself aware because ada is very different from idea which is what you used in elementary middle and high school as your basis for rights and responsibilities as a student with disabilities so make yourself aware of your rights your responsibilities and the key word here are reasonable accommodations. You know, you can request anything as an accommodation. I want a unicorn. But it has to be deemed reasonable. Your success in the classroom, then you should get a unicorn. But if it's deemed unreasonable, <laughs> inappropriate of an accommodation, then you won't get one and you can't say, well, I'm entitled. Tim, because ADA is not about entitlement. I would, I would love a unicorn. I love how naive you're like awesome and serious and I'm just like, uh, I want a unicorn. Justification is a good justification. Hey, you know what? That is the truth. Now that you've gotten a student's take on disability services, let's hear from someone who's actually working in the field of disability services. I had the pleasure of interviewing Genevieve Cruley, who has been a disability service coordinator for multiple years. Hi, thank you so much for joining us today. I just want to start by asking, how did you end up in the field of disability services? Sure. Um, so I actually went to the graduate school for my master's degree in social work. Um, and while I was down there, I had an opportunity to work in a, or for a nonprofit called Protection and Advocacy for People with Disabilities. Um, and it's kind of what has led me into my desire to work in this kind of field. Um, soon after I graduated, I moved back home to Buffalo and I got a job working for another small nonprofit where I do or did and still do case management for individuals with developmental disabilities. Um, and so just as a means to kind of see what else is offered kind of within the field, um, I explored other options. I saw a job at college and I was really interested and I kind of just it went from there and I, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> 
So a lot of our students are incoming freshmen and some of them are in their like later years of their career. So some of our questions are gonna have to do with transitions from high school to college and then some are gonna have to do with um, maintaining those accommodation standards while you're in college. Okay. So my first question is, when do you think it's appropriate for um, a student to start asking about accommodation, start building that relationship? Do you think it's more before you know, they get accepted 100%, when they get accepted, right before school starts, like in your opinion, when do you think is a really good timeline for our students sure. to prepare themselves? Truthfully, I don't think that there's ever a bad time to start doing that. I do work with students who technically have not been admitted into a college yet, who are just inquiring about services that we would be able to provide at the college level, specifically at the college that we're at. Um, we can't actually help students secure any accommodations until after they have been officially accepted as a student. I usually advise incoming freshmen to get started with the process over the summer if they're able to. It's easier if they're local. Sometimes if they're not, it's a little bit more challenging. Um, but especially if the student knows that they're going to need any kinds of assistive technology that we would be providing from the college, it's definitely helpful to start doing those things over the summer or well ahead of the start of the semester just so that we can be prepared and have those pieces of technology in place prior to that student starting school. Um, so it really kind of depends on what that student is looking for, what kind of accommodations that they're looking to have at the college, what they may have had in high school. Um, but then again, I'm also, I meet with students at any point in the semester, any point in their program of study. And so sometimes it's just a matter of them feeling comfortable and ready to come and ask for that help. Yeah, so you could be like me, <clears throat> hunt you down in an open house before I even like, <laughs> yes. got accepted. That, um, but I think that's a really great point, too, is that for some people, they might not enter college wanting accommodations. And so it might take a semester for them to be like, hey, you know, I used to have extended time on my tests in high school, and I came into college not wanting to be different, per se, and I actually kind of need that extended time. And so you um, can you just explain briefly to our students how you can kind of, you know, always come back for accommodations, right? Like, you don't have to file them once in your, you know, month before school starts, and then that's it. Like, they can continually adapt. And oh, yeah, absolutely. So any accommodations here at the school, I don't generally take accommodations away. Once they're in place, they're kind of in place. Um, but at any point, we allow students to kind of build upon that. Um, but I, in regards to what you were saying about students entering college and not being sure whether or not they want to use those accommodations that they may have had in high school, I always try my best to encourage students just to at least meet with me and kind of see what we have. Um, I think a lot of times students come in and they're a little bit nervous that it's not going to be confidential or that it'll be attached to their transcript. And so I really work with students to ensure them that it is confidential and that whether they get an A in my class or any class um, for having extended testing time or whether they get an A for not having that extended testing time, an A is an A. It's not on your transcript that you receive those accommodations and so you might as well use it. Um, you get to college, anything that helps gets an A. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is, it's really disheartening when, like, I hear a student say, oh, I just want to challenge myself. Um, because that's while, not challenging yourself. That's putting yourself in an unfair advantage yeah. sometimes. If you need it, use yeah. it. And to that end, do you recommend that students continue to have a relationship with their disability service coordinators or disability service offices in general 
even after they have filed their accommodations and are satisfied with them. Absolutely, and I really work to maintain those relationships with students who are registered with my office. Um, it's important to build that rapport and to have those relationships in the event that something were to happen with one of the classes. If a student is unsure that their instructor is provided, providing the correct accommodation, I want them to feel comfortable enough to come and talk to me and know um, that they can trust me in helping them to get whatever it is that they might need. Um, and so I, it is important that they build and maintain that relationship. Um, at our school, I do ask that students reach out to me at least once a semester, which I think is helpful in maintaining that relationship and being mm -hmm. able to get to know students and know exactly what their needs are. It's also nice to be able to check in and just kind of see how are things going and maybe are there changes that we should make to better support you. Or it could be like means you constantly, like every day for other things. <laughs> Which we love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to uh, have you as a professor and like 80 other See? things. See? There you go. You can't get enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> but so when you were talking about meeting um, with issues with professors or other things, my last question is how do you suppose a student addresses an issue if they feel like their accommodations are not being carried out correctly or if they feel like there is some sort of discrimination. A lot of this I know is red tape and policy, but like mm -hmm. on a personal level, like how do you suggest our students handle that? Because I know a lot of them, you know, there's a fear of retaliation. There's a fear right. of like, this is gonna get back to this professor. Like maybe I am in the wrong. Like, do they really have to give me extended time on my tests even though it's an accommodation? Like, do they have to let me test in a separate location? Like those are all questions that a lot of our students have. Right. Um, so, I mean, as long as your instructors receive the notice from our office, generally, depending on the accommodation, they are told that they do have to provide those accommodations. Um, all accommodations are must be reasonable at the college level, and they must be determined on a course-by-course -course basis. And I say that only because there may be classes that some students take, whether it be like a lab where they're working with animals that are live. Um, and so some of those kind of situations, it's difficult to extend time because if you are, um, if the animal is going to be getting surgery, you just want to make sure that those procedures are still safe in regards to making, and, and while considering those accommodations. Um, but generally, I think that it's just really important that students, if they are concerned, that they do go and meet with their um, accessibility or disability coordinator or whoever that person is that works with them um, for those accommodations. Um, and I always tell students to let that person know right away um, because it's much easier than for somebody like me to go and talk to an instructor or sometimes just remind them, give them a little nudge and say, hey, this is what we need to be doing. This is why we need to be doing it. Um, is there anything I can do to help you better provide these accommodations in the classroom? Um, so really without that communication between the student and the coordinator um, of the office or the person within the office, um, it, it might be an issue that just unfortunately could go unresolved if we don't know about it. So I always recommend for students just to maintain that communication. I agree. And also, um, our students will be talking about communication on this podcast here in a little bit. But something else we talk about is while it's really important to reach out to your disability services coordinator and register your accommodations and your professors will be sent them, um, we talk about how it's very important to reach out to your professors as well and to outline as much as you're comfortable outlining with right. them. Um, that's different for every person. Not everyone is comfortable with this, but even just introducing yourself sometimes ahead of time can take away some of the awkwardness, especially if you've never done a college semester before. I 
I usually do it by email. And then if they want to reach out to me or meets or whatever like that, I give them that option too. Um, but it's a really good way because I've had situations where I got assigned a, an instructor last minute or something happened and I wasn't able to kind of give them a heads up. And it makes for some very confusing <laughs> first aid discussions. And it's just a miscommunication then. And then they feel awkward and you're kind of like very confused on what their expectations are. Right. Or if they even know that like you have a disability because it's not always obvious. Right. Um, and so that's something we talk about a lot. Do you have any last comments, I guess, about this whole topic? No, I think just don't be afraid to definitely reach out for that kind of help and assistance when you get to college. Um, most colleges are just, they, they have the help there. Just take advantage of everything, all the service and supports they have on campus and then you'll be successful and good to go. Just like Nina. <laughs> oh God, no, <laughs> no, not just like Nina. No. <laughs> Nina is an excellent student. We oh are very Lord. lucky to have her here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk of to course, our students. We really appreciate it. Of course. So now, since we touched on disability services and a bunch of great information regarding that, we're going to talk about communicating with your professors. So obviously, accommodations are not registered through your professors, but there's something that your professor should be made aware of. I know personally in my school, um, an email does go out to the professor about our accommodations, but it's also the job of you as the student to make that communication and that connection with your professors. Um, it can be a little scary at first, be a little uncomfortable, but I've definitely had decent experiences with reaching out ahead of time. So Tim, I know that some of our students might feel uncomfortable reaching out to their professors and telling them they have a disability or talking to them about the accommodations that they have or um, even just that first step of what do I need in the classroom? Do you have any tips for them to get a little bit more comfortable with doing that? Well, what I would say to that is, sure, we can all be a little bit uncomfortable with discussing with our professors our disability, our condition, or things of that nature. But I will say it is best to go face-to-face -face and meet your professor one-on-one -on -one at some point. Now, what time and you know what day you want to meet your professor is totally up to you. But I feel like you should get that one-on-one -on -one time so they can truly get to know your con condition. Because, you know, if you tell them your condition over the phone or in an email, you really don't get it, in my opinion, unless you and your professor are talking about face-to-face and what happens and what you need personally and how you would like it to be given to you. I feel like all of those can truly help you be successful in your class. That's all I have to say about it. So that's definitely a great point. I know for me, I always try to send out an email like the week before classes and I actually just started classes really recently. So the week before I sent out an email, even if I'd had the professor before or if I knew them from somewhere else, I still sent out an email and said, hey, I'm Nina. You know, I use documents in electronic formats. I, you know, can access Blackboard just like everyone else. Blah, blah, blah. If you have any questions or any concerns, blindness related or otherwise, don't hesitate to reach out to me. We can meet before if you feel comfortable, like whatever. Um, I don't personally always meet with them ahead of time because of scheduling, but I definitely think it helps. And I'll give you an example of something that happened. So I didn't have an instructor for my class until the day I started the class. And I saw her name that morning and I was already going to a different class. And I was like, I don't have time. So I didn't touch base with her at all. Um, until I was in the classroom. And even though I introduced myself to the rest of the class during icebreakers or whatnot, afterwards, I made sure to go up to her desk and say, hey, I wanted to formally introduce myself. My name's Nina. 
um, you know, don't worry about the PowerPoints X, Y, and Z, that's fine. I just, you know, ask that if there's something not on Blackboard, you send it to me electronically, that sort of thing. Um, so it's really important to take the first step because in college, like, your professors won't and it's not their job to. It's our job. And it's also your job to determine how much information you want to share. So if you don't want to get into how much you can see and what you do, what you need and blah, 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 that's fine. If you just want to tell them as basic, as little as you need to, that's also fine. If you want to advocate and educate and have a really deep conversation with them and, you know, integrate that into your class a little bit more, that's great too. It's, it's more about your comfort level. Um, I know, Naeem, you said that you had some very interesting accessibility experiences with the beginning of this semester. So I'd love to for you to share those with our students. So I will quickly review two experiences, uh, polar opposites. Um, you want the good news or the bad news first type philosophy, I go with, let me give you the bad news so we can end on a happy <laughs> note. I'm an optimist that way. So I'm going to start out with a story of a math course I enrolled in. It was uh, liberal arts math was the title of the math course. And that's as much as the description offered. So uh, what is liberal arts math, you may ask us, I had not a clue either. So, you know, I started a couple weeks before the course by emailing the professor. We started the dialogue. And then, you know, everything was going smoothly via email. We decided to sit down and talk in person. You know, hey, Dr. Lesser, how are you? How's everything? She's like, all is well with me. How's everything with you? Hey, it's great, you know, corresponding with you via email. Uh, she was almost horrified that a blind person was going to be in her class, that a blind person was going to use some of the online programs. But I learned I don't have to walk in expecting her to be at my level. I just have to walk in with patience, a sense of advocacy and articulation, and a willingness to educate. And I had to sit down with her and explain to her, yes, there are some inaccessible online programs. I will have to explore the program. If she can give me access to the program prior to starting the course. I'd appreciate it. I'd, ha I'd be happy to take a night and explore the program um, and get back to you with my feedback. Um, the other thing is she was like, you know, there's gonna be some, you know, graphing components. And I was like, we will have to explore these uh, or explore options. So, you know, to spare you guys the nitty gritty, it took some testing some things worked some things didn't work i had to communicate what didn't work i had to come with alternatives as well not just oh this didn't work figure it out for me thank you bye i had to approach her with okay we can try this method i've tried it in other courses and it's worked before so yeah the dialogue has to start earlier rather than later to give yourself time room and space for that kind of you know mumbo jumbo to happen Real quick, I will leave you guys with a positive experience I just ha had today. So I enrolled in an advanced Arabic course. It's an online course. And to get into this course, I had to place. I had to take a placement test because I haven't taken any other Arabic courses, but as earlier stated, I'm fluent. Went ahead, took the placement test, passed as expected. Maybe I'm arrogant and cocky. Um, <laughs> but I managed to get in. And... I had to sit down with the professor and she's like, well, I, I don't know, you know, online how this is going to work. It was a 30 minute conversation, a demonstration that I've used that particular online platform before Canvas and the resources available. I've used those before and I just had to show her as opposed to explain to her. So sometimes instead of talking, demonstrate if you have the time 
and if the professor's you know willing like i said earlier there will be some professors who are going to give you every excuse in the book to encourage you to drop before the class starts they're legally not supposed to tell you drop blatantly but they will find subtle hints or subtle ways of saying i don't think this class is suitable for you it's not that they don't want you in their class because the more students more money for the university. I hate to be frank that way. They don't want you in the class because for them, they don't know if they'll be able to best help you. And you have to let them know that you understand that as a student, you are expected to help yourself as well, just as much as any other student. So be confident, be clear, goals oriented, and articulate very well. Thank you. I definitely agree with that. I've had really good experiences as of late. I enrolled in a math class. It was statistics. I love statistics. I've taken a college level before. And the online program in the general format of the course was not really accessible. And that wasn't really through the faults of the instructor. That was more like what my school uses and things like that. And so I was able to get my textbook in Braille and I was actually able to set up meeting times with the instructor and use the textbook as opposed more as opposed to using like the book and online programs that aren't accessible. So she was super willing to work with me. I'm a statistics nerd. I love statistics. <laughs> but uh so that's probably part of it. But it's it's honestly just figuring out what works for you. You have to make that first step in contacting. You have to be proactive even though it's a little uncomfortable. And I know that other blind students are always more than happy to offer advice also on what to say and how how do I go about doing this? Because it is kind of nerve-wracking at first. Because in high school, it's not like that. It's a completely different ballgame, I think, with advocating sometimes. Not that you don't advocate, it's just a different type of environment. And like Naeem was saying earlier, know your rights. Because in high school, it's different. You're not operating under the same laws as you are in college. And, you know, we don't say that to stress you out, but it's something to be aware of. It's something to look into and to just understand because when accommodations you feel like they're not being followed, it's important for you to speak up and you should never let your grades suffer or not put in the effort that you should be. It goes both ways, right? So you always should have the accommodations that you need, but you also need to put in the effort to make that connection. Um, I don't know if you all have anything to add on that. I would just like to kindly say, this is Nariam again, uh, one slice of advice. If the disability support service is 32.743% of your decision as to why you're going to go to the school. Let communication be 99.99% of your relationship with your professor. You, uh, the communication should not be one-sided. The communication should not be one person in charge where one is dominant and one submits the will of the other. The communication has to be two-way, mutually beneficial, and each party involved should be well aware of their rights and responsibilities. Professors have their knowledge. Sometimes you might have to let a professor know or gently remind a professor that you are entitled to certain rights. But don't walk in. If you're a student, please don't walk in like the entitled millennial that so many people are. Walk in like an educated person who wants to spread their wealth of knowledge to others. So, yes, you are entitled. But don't use the word entitled. Say, and also, they have knowledge I have certain rights on our accommodations, too. So professors definitely Indeed. have knowledge, but we also have knowledge on their accommodations. I think a student said something you need to remember. And it honestly, like okay. Mike said, and Tim was saying earlier, it just comes down to communication. This whole episode is about accessibility in the classroom. And accessibility in the classroom usually can come relatively easily with a lot of good communication. 
and understanding who you're working with. So I think that about wraps it up. Unless anyone else has anything to add on this really important topic, it's kind of the basis for kind of the whole school year when you really think about it. Oh, go ahead, Tim. Oh yeah, I was just going to say the key word here is advocacy because I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to college for yourself and only for yourself. And I just feel like your parents won't always be able to swoop in and save you anymore. Like in high school, also how Nina and Naheem alluded to. So no matter how uncomfortable or how hard it is to do it, you have to make communication clear and clear cut. You just have to do it. There's no other way to go about it. That's all. And I don't know (laughs) if it's the real estate investor agent in me that's, yes, both, um, in me that's telling me this, but network, network, network. You know, I know that may not sound like something you want to do in college, but maintain your relationship with your professors uh, because you may find that you're taking another class with that professor two, two or three semesters down the road. Maintain your relationship with the disability support services. Never feel like, oh, I don't need them anymore. Bye, I'm out. Maintain that relationship. There may be semesters where you, you'll need them more than others, but use them when you need them and don't say goodbye just because you think you haven't been using them this semester. So networking is key. And Tim, it is also good for you to network because they could also write your recommendation letters later on in the years. So it is really important for you to live and leave an impact on your professor. Internships and opportunities that I've gotten, a lot of research opportunities are coming up because I have that relationship with professors that I had before. And y'all will find out, this is a whole other conversation, but... (laughs) Even the professors who like advise certain clubs you're in and stuff are wealth of information. Like, um, I run a debate club for my school, and the advisor of that also like is really cool with different internships and stuff. And I've never even had her for a class. So just use all the resources you can, and make sure to communicate <laughs> and draw on your support networks that you all do have. Oh yeah. I want to thank everyone for listening. I hope that you guys found this helpful, and we can't wait to talk with you again in our next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye.